waiting. That's kind of awkward, wasn't it? <laughs> it's amazing how quiet you all are, too. I <laughs> get that many people quiet when it's awkward. Because you know the way it's supposed to work, right, in church? Right? You, you finish the worship song, and then in, in the church world, we call that the bumper video. Right? And during the bumper video, it gives time for the band to get off and, you know, the speaker to come on and then, you know, get everything set. And then you're supposed to start talking. And it was really awkward to be like, wait a second, you know. But uh, that's, that's how we are sometimes is we're waiting. Waiting. What a great time of worship this morning. I want to say thank you to our worship team. Special, special time of worship this morning and, and just a great job. And I, I love the way the service started with O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Uh, just speaking to the waiting and that instrumental was beautiful and uh, just a great job by our team. And, you know, that's, that's what this week is about. It's about Jesus. It's about the Son of God coming into the world and, and uh, how, we, how we observe that, how we celebrate that as a church and as followers of Jesus Christ. And, uh, uh, man, it's going to be a special week. And I hope you will be able to join us later in the week as we have uh, Christmas Eve services at 4 and at 6 uh, coming up later on the 24th, and uh, hope that you'll be able to, to be here, make plans to be here uh, with your family. And uh, we'll be taking the precautions. We don't want anyone sick, you know, for Christmas, um, but uh, we will uh, also be celebrating and pointing, uh, hopefully, you and your family uh, toward Jesus Christ, because that, that's really what it's all about. You know, we're, we're going to be talking about waiting. We've been in this series for several weeks, and we've been looking at different lines from the song, Oh Holy Night, which we sang earlier, and um, as we've been doing that, uh, the line we're coming to today, uh, you probably know, is, till he appeared. Till he appeared. Because there was this waiting. There was this anticipation. There was this time period in this season of waiting. And, and just like you were waiting a little bit ago, and you maybe turned to your spouse, or your friend, or whoever you're here with, and you're like, what is going on? <laughs> it's, a little, it's a little awkward. Everybody felt kind of weird about waiting and there, and there was maybe even for some of you it's frustration maybe some of you well I was gone it was almost two minutes um you actually looked at your watch or you grabbed your phone and you checked what you checked the time why because you were waiting and you want to know uh, oftentimes what time are we going to get out of the service right because you know we we are again we're we're waiting and and sometimes if we're we're honest about it, we're just not really good at the waiting you know, last week, uh, if you were here, uh, we had talked about uh, Christmas uh, pageants and programs for kids, and uh, we had uh, a, a, a cool thing happen right at the end of the second service. We got a picture, and so this just kind of legitimizes last week's sermon illustration, so I want to put this up here. Uh, that is a legit picture, okay, uh, of the Geesling uh, kids, and he was a wise man, and she was a star, and that was like four or five years ago right here at Oakwood, okay? So that was, all those illustrations were true. We do dress up kids like that. He loved to be the wise man, and the daughter was the star. And so it was, yeah, it was great. But you know, we have fun with that. And if you're, if you're lost this morning, you're like, what is he talking about? Listen to last week's sermon, and you'll, you'll get uh, what we're talking about this morning. But uh, the, this morning, we're going to be talking about this, this idea of waiting. Because it's really unpopular, if we're honest, to be told, not yet. Not yet. To be told, wait for it. Wait for it. And we want it now. What we're looking forward to or anticipating or, or what we just want. We want it 
now. And yet it's really, really hard when we're told, hey, not yet. Wait for it. Wait for it. We don't like the delayed gratification. We like instantaneous, instant potatoes, right? Microwave popcorn, fast food, right? Even so fast, you can go through drive-thru, and if you're not out in what, two and a half minutes, you're mad, right? It's because we're on a timeline, we've got places to go, and, and really, we just want what we want, and we want it now. And not yet, and wait for it, is very, very unpopular. It reminded me of a, a Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, you know that, that movie? Do you remember the girl on there? Uh, her name was Veruca Salt. You remember Veruca? You know, she had the accent, and, and she was kind of played this role of the, the spoiled rotten brat. You know, I guess all those kids were a little bratty but in the movie, but, you know, she played this role of this kid that was spoiled rotten, and I just remember she saw the Oompa Loompas. Do you remember this? And she was like, Daddy, Daddy, I want an Oompa Loompa. Do you remember that? And what did Dad say? Hey, okay, Veruca, well, we'll, we'll look into getting one of those later when we get home or tomorrow. And she's like, Daddy, Daddy, I want an Oompa Loompa, and I want it now. Right? And we laugh at that because it is funny, but it's true. Sometimes we're asking for something, and it may even be from the Lord, and we want what we want, and we want it now. And sometimes we can become very demanding people. And sometimes it can change our attitudes and actions because we're impatient. But this isn't really a message about patience, truly. This is, this is a message about choosing to be faithful when you're waiting on the Lord and trusting in the Lord and trusting in the faithfulness of the Lord. Because we all experience this. And I, here, here's the truth this morning. I think one of the main reasons we don't like waiting is that it reminds us I'm not in control. That's the problem we have. Sometimes we don't like the waiting because it reminds us I'm not in control. Sometimes you're in circumstances and you're in situations where you know I have no control over this. And it's frustrating to us because if we did, we would do what? We would hurry up. But because... We can't. We're reminded, I am not in control of everything in the world and everything in my life. I can't have it now. Not yet. Wait for it. And, and folks, we all experience this. I mean, have you ever been to a doctor's office? They have a whole room for not yet, right? You go to the doctor's office, you got a 1040 appointment. You get there at 1035 to fill out the paperwork and give them all of your life's history again. And... By 10.40, you're ready, right? And they have a room. It's called the what? It's the not yet room. The waiting, waiting room, right? And, and you don't ever go to the doctor without going to the not yet room. You're going to end up in the waiting room. And sometimes you're in there longer than you'd like to be. because, But you are waiting. Do you, have you ever been to a theme park? Like I was thinking like Disney World. I know Six Flags over, over Texas does this. Where you're in line for a ride and it has a sign there. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but it has a sign there that uh, says from this point, and then it tells you how long you have to wait. It's like you're standing in line for like 30 minutes. You get to this sign where the line now, it's going to make a 90 or something. You get the sign and it says, from this point, three days till you'll ride the Jungle Lagoon ride. 
feed your kids in the meantime and change their diaper. You know, it's like, seriously, it's frustrating, you know? It's kind of like, you know, but if we're honest, we would like that sometimes. If we just knew exactly what the time would be, right? If we could, if we could have a sign that says, hey, from this point, in six months, you will meet the love of your life. And all the young people are like, yeah, 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 that would be, that would be really nice, you know. Or, or maybe if you're a parent, you know, from this point in four years, your kids are going to be able to take care of themselves. It's like, yes, yes, my kids are, you know. And maybe, you know, if you're, if you're a married person this morning, you know, in 10 years, your, your spouse will grow up. And you're like, yes, from this point, 10 years. And then my, you know, but we like these signs in our life that says, hey, from this point, then this will happen. And yet... It seems like we go through so much of life, and that's not the way it works, is it? It's not the way that it worked in the Christmas story as well. There, there, there was a lot of, of waiting there. And sometimes it's really hard when we're now people to be told, not yet. I heard a story of a, of a guy that was at a very expensive and very exclusive restaurant. You know what I'm talking about. He had been waiting on his food forever. He was looking at the tables around him. Everyone was waiting on their food forever. I mean, we're talking over an hour, still no food. Very frustrated, he got on his phone and he ordered a delivery pizza. And he had it delivered to his table at the restaurant. Which I was like, you know, that's really nervy, but it does drive home the point. I think he was sending a message that I'm sick of waiting and I'm ready to Eat. And it actually is a true story. Uh, the delivery driver comes in, delivers to the table. The wait staff at the restaurant is like, what are you doing? Uh, they're delivering a pizza to your table in the restaurant. Your food is coming. What do they always say? Your food is coming soon, right? Or your food is coming momentarily, whatever that means, right? But sometimes we have a hard time waiting. Let's, let's look at this together this morning. Luke chapter 2. If you have your Bible, I invite you to turn there. Luke chapter 2. If you have your phone or your tablet and you want to follow along that way this morning, just go to the Oakwood app, sermon notes, and all the notes and all the scriptures will be there for you. Luke chapter 2, verse 22. Now, we are going to read um, some scripture um, that is part of the Christmas story, it's part of the Christmas story that's kind of on the heels of it. And what I found out through surveying many people this week, that not very many people know about these, I would call them B characters in the Christmas story. We're going to read about two characters this morning, one named Simeon and one named Anna. And you're thinking, no, no, it wasn't Simeon and Anna, it was Mary and Joseph. No, these, these are different characters. And this is, like I said, on the heels of the story. Jesus has been born, he's gone through some of the rituals, he's been you know, circumcised on the eighth day, he's gone through, and, and, and they're coming to the temple to offer a sacrifice as is required by the law. And we're going to read about that in just a second. And we encounter these two characters that have been waiting and they have been faithful in the waiting. Let's read about it. Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 22. When the time came, and I want you to pay attention as we read these scriptures, there's certain phrases like when the time came, uh, things like that, they're good, that I, I want you to think about what we're reading this morning. I think so many times we, we mindlessly read scripture, maybe even in your own devotional time, to check a box. Okay, I read that chapter, I read that verse, I read that section. No, let the word of God speak, okay? Luke 2. 22, when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him, that's him being the son of God, baby Jesus, took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated 
to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said of the law of the Lord. A pair of doves or two young pigeons. And so they're being obedient Jews and, and they're, they're following the law of Moses and they're going to offer these sacrifices. Verse 25. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. Good, good description, right? To be in the Bible, hey, this man is righteous and devout. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. Now, I want to pause there. I want you to notice that he was waiting, and he was not just waiting on, on you know, nothing, something arbitrary. He was waiting on the consolation of Israel. That word consolation in the Greek is a word periklesis, periklesis. And what it means, it means to comfort, to offer solace or encouragement. Sometimes that word is used throughout the New Testament as actually meaning messianic salvation. The comfort, the solace of Israel and of mankind, the encouragement, the messianic salvation, the the Messiah is coming. And so all of these are kind of a veiled reference to Jesus and who this baby Jesus, born to Mary and Joseph and Bethlehem, who, who is he going to be? And so he is waiting for the consolation. He's waiting for the solace and the comfort and the encouragement and the messianic salvation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit of God was on him. Now, it had been revealed to him, verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And so he's hanging on to that fact. Verse 27, moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms... He got to hold Jesus in his arms. Can you imagine what that moment was like for him? As he'd been waiting for the consolation of Israel, and now he holds Jesus, the Messiah, in his arms. Simeon took him in his arms, and he praised God, saying this, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. You know know what that means? I can die now. (laughs) I'm ready. Like, I'm seriously ready. I have seen the salvation. I have now experienced your son coming into the world. I am holding the Messiah. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation. I've laid eyes on your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all the nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And the child's father and mother, that being Joseph and Mary, marveled at what was said about baby Jesus, about him. And then Simeon blessed them. And he said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause falling and rising of many in Israel. And to be a sign that will be spoken against. So the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. In other words, Jesus is going to be controversial. As he goes through life, he's going to expose people's hearts. Are you in? Do you have faith in God? Or do you turn away from God and serve yourself? A light of revelation, glory of the people Israel. This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that would be so spoken against, verse 35, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Oh Mary, your son is going to go through some things that are going to pierce your very soul. And then we get to verse 36. We're introduced to character number two, 
from our passage today. There was also a prophet there, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. And she was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. So in other words, what, what, what he's saying there is that she had been a widow a very long time. If she had gotten married at the traditional uh, age that most uh, Jewish ladies would, would, would get married to be sometime between 16 and 20, very, very young. And so if she'd been married to her husband for seven years, she's maybe 23 or 24 when her husband passed away, then she had been a widow this whole time. But, but look, it says, with her husband seven years, with her marriage, until, she, until he passed away. And then she was a widow until she was 84. Listen to this. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying while she was waiting. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. See, there were people gathered around, and, and she, was, she was one of the prophets of God, and, and she began speaking about who Jesus is going to be as the Son of God to the people that were around. And notice that she was so faithful that it says she had been a widow a long time, but she had always been faithful to the Lord. She was in the temple, worshiping night and day, fasting and praying. Till he appeared. That's what the song says. You, you know the line from the song. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. That, that word pining uh, means with deep remorse and regret. Long lay the world in sin and error with much regret till he appeared. You see, the appearance of the Son of God, salvation offered all mankind, made all of the difference. So what can we learn? What can we learn? Some things we can put into action from our text today. The first one is this. We need to be faithful in the waiting. We need to be faithful even when we're in the waiting. And sometimes that's our biggest struggle is the waiting. It may be for you, you're personally thinking, it has been so long. I've heard a lot of not yet. Wait for it. And I look out into this broken world and I look out into all the injustices and I look into my own life and things aren't as I wish they were and it breaks my heart. And as I look at the globe, I, I see terror gripping our world. I see the ugliness of racism. I see that poverty uh, strikes so many and they have to go without. And I see all of these, these problems out there, but they also translate to problems in here in my relationships and in my marriage and with my kids. And, and maybe I have my own financial stuff or, or stuff at my job or, or whatever it is. There's just this turmoil. And, and I've been waiting I feel like I'm waiting like Simeon on the consolation of Israel. I'm, I'm waiting on the comfort. I'm waiting on the help. I'm waiting on the encouragement of the Lord. And for many of us, that wait becomes very, very personal. Because for many of us, we have longings that go unfulfilled. Circumstances that inflict so much pain. And dreams that we feel are constantly being put on hold 
not yet. Wait for it. But in our passage today, we see faithful people that were told not yet for a very long time, and they were blessed for it. Look at verse 25. What did it say there about Simeon? Now there was this man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. And he was doing what? He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting. That's that's how we're introduced to him. He is a waiter. He is just waiting on the Lord. He's waiting on the revelation. Now we read in a a couple verses down from that, we do read that he had been he had been told by the Holy Spirit that he would actually lay eyes on the Messiah before he died. But because of that news, he was waiting and yet he was waiting faithfully. He was waiting with anticipation of what would be and what could be. And not just looking at the here and now and not just being frustrated in the waiting. We don't know how long for sure that Simeon had been waiting, but I imagine from the context that it had been quite some time. In verse 28, when it says that Simeon took baby Jesus in his arms, I wonder what that moment was like. I mean, do you, can you imagine if you'd been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and then you're waiting for the Messiah and you hold him? How exciting was that moment? Like the fulfillment of his whole life was wrapped up in that moment with Jesus and yet he'd been faithful all the way through faithful in the wedding look at verse 37 when it's talking about Anna you know we knew, we knew from the verse before that she was very old she's very old she lived with her husband seven years after that and then was a widow until she was 84 and she never left the temple but worshiped night and day fasting and praying in the waiting Faithful. Faithful in waiting on God's perfect timing. Faithful in waiting on what the Lord had, His plan, in His way, in His time period. And she was faithful, worshiping and praying and fasting and being in the temple. And you'll find that both of these people, when they experienced Jesus, had influence. It says that both of them told people around them. People were looking. They knew Simeon, and they knew Anna, and they knew how faithful they had been, and they knew that they were longing for the Messiah, longing for salvation, longing for deliverance, till he appeared. Be faithful in the waiting. When you feel like you've been waiting for so long, in circumstances that are uncomfortable, or maybe it's just a long anticipation, even in the right direction, be found faithful in the waiting. The second thing we can learn from our text today is that God is in the business of preparing. God is in the business of preparing. This is one of those things that I think has become a passion of mine over the years, as people put off or or wait or are told not yet, because I get asked so many times, what is God doing? Where is God in this? As I go through some of my own stuff sometimes, where's God? When is is this situation going to get better? When when are these circumstances going to go away? When, when, When? 
When is this going to happen? Not yet. Wait for it. And yet it's in those times I find it hard. And that so many would say, well, the Lord has forgotten me. The Lord is, 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 is gone on without me. The Lord is this, the Lord is that. The Lord is preparing. He's a God of preparation. I mean, people, we see this all throughout the Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation. Think about it. Abraham and Isaac, right? And, and Abraham's actually challenged to sacrifice his one and only son. Does this sound familiar to anybody? Yeah, just like God sacrifices one only son, or maybe some parody there. But Abraham's challenge to offer Isaac his one and only son. Yet God was preparing all along for that moment because he gets to that moment and God had prepared a ram to get its horns caught in the thicket over here. And God was going to provide the sacrifice back then and through Jesus Christ. God was preparing. God was working the whole time. Even if Abraham and maybe even Isaac didn't know it. What about the Apostle Paul? Writes half of the New Testament. Plants churches. Many people are Christians today, I think, directly from the work of the Apostle Paul. And yet the Apostle Paul was one that persecuted Christians. And he's on his way to Damascus to persecute more Christians with the blessing of the council in Jerusalem. And he meets Jesus on the way. And the story doesn't stop there. He's blinded from that experience and from his conversion to Jesus Christ. And he's led by the party that is with him into Damascus. And they meet a man that God had prepared to meet him named Ananias. And Ananias was going to disciple Paul. He was going to take him from Paul, the early baby Christian that had just met Jesus Christ. He was going to spend some time, Ananias was with Paul. He was going to also be the one that, that through him was going to restore Paul's sight. And God had a plan and he was preparing he was preparing for that the whole time. And even if Paul was frustrated, God was preparing. What about Joseph in the book of Genesis? Well, let's go back there again. Two years in prison. What was going on for those two years? Gee, what was God doing? He was preparing. He was preparing. He was preparing the relationships that Joseph had in the prison with the prison guards, with Pharaoh's court. He was preparing. He was preparing that Pharaoh was going to have a dream that needed an interpretation, and God was going to use this relationship that was built through prison walls to get to Pharaoh that would eventually make Joseph the second in command over all of Egypt. A Jewish kid was the second in command over all of Egypt. How does that happen? Oh, it just happened. No, God is preparing. God is preparing. I believe if you're in the waiting right now and you're in the not yet and you're maybe a little frustrated, I want you to remember God is preparing. God is in the business of preparing. What did Jesus say to his disciples in the upper room? He's about to leave them and he's been warning them for quite some time. Hey, I'm leaving, I'm leaving, I'm leaving, I'm leaving. We get to John 14, verses 2 and 3. Listen to what Jesus says to the disciples in the upper room. The night that he was betrayed, I mean, he's just hours from crucifixion. This is what he says. My father's house has many rooms. And if it were not so, I would have told you. And I am going to do what? I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. And Jesus, the Son of God, is saying, I'm going ahead of you to prepare a place for you and all that would call on my name and all that would follow me. I'm preparing a place in heaven for you. 
that even through the Son of God, so many examples in Scripture, that Jesus also was preparing. Many times when it says that he withdrew from the crowds to pray, to be alone with his heavenly Father. It was in preparation for the next ministry day, the next ministry moment. He was constantly in a mode of preparation. God is in the business of preparing. And if you're in the waiting, maybe this is the encouragement that you need, is that God is preparing. He hasn't forgotten you. He has not left you, forsaken you. He might just be working for your future. As we knew he was through his son Jesus Christ. For hundreds of years. Prophecies hundreds of years old. Jesus fulfilled. And we get impatient for five minutes. Be faithful in the waiting. And understand that that God is in the business of preparing them. The last thing this morning, when the time was perfect, God sent Jesus that first Christmas to change everything. When the timing was perfect, that's, that's when it was, when God knew the timing was just right. Look at Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 5. Another Christmas passage that we don't read at Christmas, but it's got Christmas all over it. Listen, Galatians 4, 4 through 5. But when the set time had fully come, you see God preparing, God had a set plan and a set time. And when that time had fully come, do you know what he's saying there? What is the writer saying to us there? When the time had fully come, when everything was just right, when God's plan was perfect, all the prophecies were going to be fulfilled. Everything about it, the Son of God coming into the world was just right to be received. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, and born under the law to redeem those, that's all of us, that are under the law, so that we might receive adoption to sonship, that we might receive an invitation to be chosen, to be a part of the family of God. When the time was perfect, when the time was right. You see, this is the truth. When Jesus comes into your life, when you accept the salvation of Jesus Christ, beautifully illustrated in the watery grave of baptism, right? So excited for JC and for Stephanie. I was excited for Larry, too. I mean, it's got to be a grandpa's dream, right? Baptizing your, your, your grandkids. You see, when you accept Jesus Christ into your life, when Jesus comes into your circumstances, when he steps into the pain that you're going through, when he steps into the suffering that you're that you're going through, when, when he comes into your loneliness, when maybe he steps in to a time where you feel like I'm a failure, when he steps into your time of loss, when he steps into your divorce, when he steps into your bankruptcy, your cancer, somehow, not yet becomes now for those who are in Christ Jesus. And you've been saying, well, not yet, but in Jesus Christ, the not yet becomes now. I mean, do you understand this morning? Now, God is here. Now, I'm not alone. And now, I have a hope to carry on. And now, I have peace in the chaos. And now, I have the strength and the courage and the support to face anything 
Anything? Anything. Why? Because the presence of God has come into your life. And that's why we preach the good news. That's why we preach the gospel. It's because it's about you knowing Jesus Christ and him being willing to step in to all these areas of your life that you feel like was not yet, not yet. Now you have Jesus. And because of that now, he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And now you will be able to go through anything in this world. Because now you are saved. And now you know you have hope of eternal life. And there's nothing in this world that is so great that you'd want to experience more than heaven with your heavenly father. With all the saints that have gone before you and with the son of God in heaven. When you accept Christ, you're not yet. Becomes now because of his presence in your life. And maybe if you're one of those people that's impatient, God's teaching you to still live in the here and now, but to live with an anticipation of heaven and what will be. Because you can live because he lives. And he promises his Holy Spirit to live in us and to guide us and to encourage us. It's interesting, that word about the the salvation of Israel coming, paraclesis, In the book of Acts, it appears in a different form as parakletos. Parakletos, when we translate it to English, is called the comforter. And it's a reference to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the parakletos, has come. And will be with us until we are taken to heaven with Jesus Christ. Until our time expires in this world. It was an old holy night. And long lay the world in sin and error pining with much regret, until he appeared and the soul felt its worth. And there was this thrill of hope because he appeared to us. Look what it says in verse 30 of our passage. Look what Simeon proclaims. He says, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared. Did you catch it? God is working. He's preparing all along. And if you're feeling a nudge of God this morning to accept him as your Lord and Savior, folks, this isn't because it's good preaching or something. This is called the Holy Spirit's work. This is God telling you today is the day of salvation for you. And in a few minutes, we're going to sing a song, and you're going to have an opportunity to respond, to come over here to our decision room and to talk to somebody about that. We're going to have elders over there. We're going to have church staff, ministers over there. And we would love to talk to you about your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the most important thing. But we also have a great opportunity now to experience the presence of Christ through the elements of communion. We're going to take that together right now. We take these elements every week as God's church when we gather here together in the assembly, the bread that represents his body and the cup that represents his blood. What's interesting is Jesus, when he got with his disciples in the upper room, he told them, I've eagerly desired to prepare or, or to, uh, to partake in this meal with you. I've eagerly desired to share this meal with you. He was so excited that he had eagerly desired to be with the disciples. But he says in the course of that dinner, 
that I will not take of this bread or this cup again until we take it together in heaven. And it's this foreshadowing of a great banquet table in heaven when we are actually going to be in the presence of Jesus and then we'll fully realize and fully recognize the line till he appeared. And until he appears again, until he appears again, he says, take these emblems and remember me. Remember me. Let's pray. Lord God, we come into this time of communion this morning. And Lord, I know we want to fill your presence. And I know that's why you, God, gave us these physical elements. Through Jesus in the upper room of the disciples, you gave us these physical elements elements that we can observe together, that we can partake the body and the blood of Jesus Christ and remember our salvation, remember the great deep love you have for us, remember the preparation and the plan that you had along, remember the perfect timing, and remember that someday we're going to be in heaven and we're all going to be around the banquet table, all those who have accepted Christ, all those that, that call you Lord, and we're going to sit face to face with our Savior in all of his glory, and partake in this meal once again. But until then, right now, here in the waiting, we take these emblems, and we remember that for those of us that are in Christ Jesus, we have crossed over from the not yet to the now because of God's Son, Jesus, coming into our world. God, we thank you so much for that. And I pray as we take this bread and this cup over these next few minutes, we remember the high value of your son ultimately sent on a mission to sacrifice his life for us. And we thank you for that. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would right now, just spend a few minutes and commune with your Savior, Jesus Christ.